What's up all, Aaron, but not that Aaron here to tell you about Sifpop Writer's Room. For the past several years, there have been a growing amount of writers for Sifpop.com providing best ever challenges, movie reviews, themes, legacies, connections, and so much more. Sifpop Writer's Room is where that all comes together, giving a voice to those words that you read. And on the show, every week is excellent getting to chat such a wide variety of movies with a wide variety of movie lovers, and I'm really having a lot of fun with the show, and I just think that you would too. So check out Sifpop Writer's Room wherever you listen to your podcast, and we'll see you over there. Just remember to knock first. Welcome back, film and pop culture fans, to a brand new episode of Quality Check Podcast. I'm one of your hosts on this beautiful day, Daniel Posey, and joining me across the internet, as always, is Drew Douglas. What's up? Drew, that? yeah, I, w- that took me down memory lane, where I feel like that's been 20 years ago now, right? <laughs> that's the number that came into my head, and then... <laughs> It made me um, just sad, you know? I well, was thinking about, out of the blue, I thought about Lost as I'm going to bed last night. I was like, man, that that show came out in like 2004. Ooh. Didn't it? Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. Uh, that just seems like it was a year ago. And it just, it really, you, you think about that kind of stuff and you realize life's almost over, man. Just like October. Yeah, that's the next thing I was going to bring up because this month, sadly, is just, it's it's flown by. And it makes me sad because I realize every single October, I try to cram as many scary movies into the month as possible. And I, I feel like I've dropped the ball big time. Because I just have not been able to see as many as what I would, would like to have. Yeah, it gets harder as you get older and you have more responsibilities. I will say I have done um, pretty decent this month and watching some good and not so good horror. But uh, yeah, I've enjoyed it. And you saw, was it for the first time, Trick or Treat last night? No, it was a rewatch. I hadn't seen it since it came out in like 2007. So it was all felt new in a lot of ways. And man, that movie's good. You need to rewatch it. Did it get better on rewatch? What's awesome, it's literally like an hour and 16 minutes. Ooh. So it is It is breezy. You can watch that, crank, just crank it out real quick. And just the atmosphere of that entire movie is fantastic. It, because you love the Halloween spirit just as much as I do. Loves. Yeah, I. It's it's so fascinating because that movie, I feel, really captured something whenever I first watched watched it but that's been years ago and when you asked if i had watched that movie it i really had a tough time processing when that was but it was when the movie came out and so i need to make a return trip because i think that's on hbo max right now right it is yeah and i i believe it's i, I don't know when it's coming down it doesn't matter but yes it's on hbo max so, of the streaming services, which one do you think you've used the most during October mm. to watch scary movies? Because Peacock has like, and no joke here, but isn't it called like Cocktober or something like that? <laughs> it's they have their own thing, and they have a, a decent amount of stuff. Honestly, HBO Max is what I use a lot 
and they have a lot of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, which I've been watching a lot of these for the first time. And then they have, you know, just a variety of other things like Trick or Treat. And uh, so that, and then uh, Amazon Prime has some decent stuff. They have The Fog, John Carpenter version. Ooh, yeah. I watched, um, what What else did I watch? I've, I've watched so much stuff. I can't keep, I know what you did last summer. <laughs> oh. I rewatched that, the 97 movie, because I've been watching the new Amazon Prime, like reboot slash remake series of it, which is just, it makes you scared to have kids. I guess that's <laughs> the big takeaway because they're all like snorting coke and goodness, like banging and drinking. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I don't know if I want this. <laughs> but I also don't think that's maybe an accurate reflection of most teenagers. So who who knows? Um, but yeah, so Prime has some decent stuff too. I, I've kind of been itching to go on a, a Carpenter binge again. Oh, and yeah. Actually... Peacock has a few Carpenter movies like Village of the Damned, which I haven't seen in a long time. I kind of want to rewatch that. So, yeah, it's just we're at a point now where there's 40,000 services you can use. So everything's spread out and you really have to pick and choose like two or three services that you're just going to go all in on. Yeah, well, and I can't remember where I heard this, but there's like some survey that came out as a report that in the future, in the probably not so distant future, we're going to end up having three main streaming services, and that's it. And it, it would help us out. Yeah. But how much is that? If you're narrowing it down like that, how much are you spending? Like you just boosting the prices on each of those or what? Right. Yeah, I don't. I mean, the thing is, maybe we'll see more bundles, but at the same time, it's so hard for me to believe that we're just going to have three. That uh, it's it's. Yeah, so, I, I just it's seem right. Yeah, right now, I just I can't imagine that. But I don't know. I maybe that will happen. It's hard, even though I know HBO Max has struggled big time. I it's tough for me to think we wouldn't have HBO Max or something like it because it's definitely my favorite. It's our favorite streaming it's, service. It's still my favorite. I I don't with the whole what is it discovery that mm -hmm. combination whatever that is. I I hope that doesn't alter that yeah um, service too much. Yeah, I'm I am worried about the acquisition there that uh, that they ended up selling or AT and T sold to Discovery. I hope it only gets better, but that is. My Christmas wish, an early Christmas <laughs> wish. It's like a year and a half away. I think we're gonna. <laughs> yeah. A lot can change uh, over that period of time for us to even have to worry about this. Well, speaking of changes, there are a lot of changes happening for movies and entertainment just across pop culture, the pop culture landscape. And that's why we are going to do a version of Loves Hates Pop Culture News. But before we get to that, uh, one quick thing to note, we will give you an update on the fall fantasy draft that we have going on right now. It is still in progress. We will touch on that more and including a big movie that is a part of that fantasy draft. But first, let's get into the loves hates pop culture news where Drew and I will pick one thing that is happening or has been announced recently. And we want to dive into that a little bit more. Drew? What do you have? 
I'm going to start off with a loves. Uh, I just refreshed 6.43 Eastern time on October 27th. Rotten Tomatoes score for Marvel's Eternals. Sinking like a stone. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Again, it, it's whatever, it's Rotten Tomatoes, but I do find this fascinating for a couple of reasons. One, and this is only 89 reviews, but right now, 64%, which is the lowest Marvel Cinematic Universe <laughs> movie to date. That obviously can go up or down because these movies tend to have, I don't know, 300 plus reviews. Mm-hmm. I find this interesting, one, because I this is the first Marvel movie maybe ever that I just, I don't care. <laughs> if I did, I don't even want to rush out and see this on opening weekend. Though, like with Halloween Kills, the lower this score gets, the more intrigued I am and the more <laughs> I want to go see it. So maybe this is actually working. Um, but I do know, but this is what I find fascinating. The score has dropped significantly since the Rod Tomato score was revealed about a week ago. And I had read something that Disney like rushed this, this said, hey, post the reviews now because the scores were good at the time. And then it's in recent days, obviously taken a huge hit, which I just find fascinating that they pushed out the reviews so fast. And it's kind of, I feel like backfired in a way. Now, I don't, does that, does this, because you're kind of soft on this, right? Rushing to go see this. Does this make yeah. you a little more excited? It does. I know before we started recording, we were chatting about that. And I have felt so, so, so about this movie from the first trailer to the second and technically final trailer. And I just don't have any massive desire to see it. I think it may be an interesting watch in terms of it truly being different than any other Marvel movie. I know as we'll what see. we, yeah, I mean, we hear that. Well, at, we'll we, we hear that at the release or before each new MCU movie comes out. It's a movie and an MCU movie like you've never seen before. I, like you said, we'll see. That does actually make me interested, more interested, and it also makes me think that's probably going to be the case based on the trailers. I don't know if that's a good. Different, uh, different take on an MCU. Not only uh, superheroes, or it's a, with it being an introduction of brand new characters, but also perhaps I don't know if they're trying to do a serious, like a love type slash romantic movie uh, slash drama. I don't know. I I really I'm trying to figure out who this movie is intended to draw in that especially in the marvel community but those who don't like marvel movies i don't know i can't figure it out and the big thing that interests me even more is the comparison in the movie to dc characters Mm, which i which i love so that is also like oh my ears perk up a little bit when you are referencing Zack snyder Like, this is Zack Snyder doing an MCU movie. I'm like, oh, okay. All right, I want to see that. (laughs) So, oh, man. it. I love this piece of news that you have, but it's 
weird. It's just weird. Everything about this movie, I feel weird about. Shang-Chi, I was getting excited for. Black Widow, I was getting excited for. This is a first Marvel mm. movie that I just don't know. Like, I just... Yeah. yeah Something and, about it, I'm just like, I don't care. Yeah. And then I weirdly get enjoyment out of the fact that the ratings are going down every Ooh. time I refresh. And I can't fully explain it. Kevin Feige is crying in, in a pillow right now. Yeah, they'll probably double down on whatever this movie is because he's going to be like, no, audiences just weren't ready for it. Oh, <laughs> I do. Because this, and I had read, I, I can't remember where I read this. It could be true or false, but weekend opening estimates, uh, it was tracking around $80 million. I don't get it. This isn't anything established. Who's rushing to go see this movie? Even yeah. like among the MCU diehards, I don't, I don't buy it. Well, now I was really wrong about Dune. I thought that would kind of tank, and it didn't. So maybe this has a massive audience that I just don't know about. Here's the thing, though. I do think this movie will make a lot of money, but if here, here here's the thing. This movie will sink like a stone in the second weekend because word of mouth when that gets out, if people truly are disliking this and they end up coming back on this and, and they say that it's terrible, it's going to have a massive impact in the weeks to come because Shang-Chi only built on the success of the weekend when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then same way, well, Black Widow, maybe not as much as Shang-Chi. That uh, didn't. That that had a rough second week, but it was also on Disney Plus. Yeah, um, and that that's the other thing working against it. But the thing is, with this movie, I think it will have a strong opening. So I think that eighty million, I, I think that's that may be around where it will be hitting. But I I think at the end of the day, though, this movie is just. Uh, there's no way it makes. I just don't see it making what Shang-Chi or Black Widow made. It will probably be one of the lowest grossing MCU movies. I just, I feel like that will be the case. Opening weekend, I could see, but like you said, I'm not, everyone who I've talked to about this movie, they're not rushing out to see it. I mean, if this makes more than James Bond did in its opening weekend, No Time to Die, then something's wrong. Something's wrong with all of you people. Oh. So Shang-Chi made 221 here in the U.S. Black Widow, even with Disney Plus, made 183. Respectable during the pandemic, Shang-Chi, I think, exceeded expectations by a wide margin. So, and Black Widow opened with 80 million. That's with an established character that we've had for like a decade. Yeah. And you're trying to, they're trying to tell me that Eternals is going to make that. I just don't buy it. Maybe I'll be shocked and maybe I'll like the movie when I see it. I kind of, um, the DCEU comparisons actually really do intrigue me because I like the bulk of those movies. And um, I'm okay with some dour superheroes. And that's one complaint I keep seeing over and over again is these characters are either dour, quippy, or both. As I believe A.A. Dowd wrote uh, for AV Club. I can't remember, but... Yeah, I... And that that I'm, I'm okay with. And I love... The other thing is Chloe Zhao, like what she ended up doing with Nomadland in terms of seeing the shots and all that. Great. Love it. But what will end up happening for this movie in terms of 
making it not just different, but what makes Kevin Feige say it's like the best one yet? You know? Well, he's just trying to sell tickets. True. But I'm as of right now, like I'm I'm going through and looking at tickets. There's there's one theater that in town that's done a decent job. Like some showtimes have uh almost sold out, and then others are about half for showtimes. And then one theater, you've got like four tickets sold total total. So this will be interesting to see how it plays out. I do think opening weekend will be big, but outside of that, I just, oh, wow. Well, I'm going to stay in the MCU veins and bring Ooh. up something that kind of caught me off guard. I was going to talk about a movie that we will be discussing in our fall fantasy draft. So I decided to save that because I know we'll be talking about that piece of news. Instead, I picked a quote from a one Bill Murray. Oh. Do you know what I'm getting ready to say? Of course I know what you're going to say. Okay, because I this came as a surprise to me when you and I were first texting about this loves hates news. But Bill Murray's on the tour of promoting the French Dispatch, which I was hoping may end up coming to town here, but it is it, it will not be anytime soon. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by that, but I'm also not rushing out to see it. However, it was confirmed through Bill Murray's kind of encrypted type language and how he said it, that he will be in the upcoming Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumanium. He said... Quoting him, you know, recently I made a Marvel movie. I probably won't tell you, but never mind. And then he later went on to talk more about this. And he said that in any case, some people were quite surprised why I decided on such a project. But for me, the one thing is clear. I got to know the director and really liked him very much. He was funny, humble, everything you want from a director. And even though he didn't bring up Peyton Reed's name, who worked on the actual film uh, for the Ant-Man films, he did, in a roundabout way, reference Bring It On, which Reed directed that film. So I don't know what to think about this, so I wanted to ask you, loves, hates that Bill Murray will be in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Well, I can't imagine he's going to be in this a ton. Like, it's probably something small, but I love it. Why not? Why not have Bill do that? And he said, he's like, I checked it off the list. I did the big movie, and and that's enough for me. That's fun. I, I love Bill Murray's, just his approach to things. So, yeah, I'm going to have to say loves to that, too. Now, I hope he you, wears a little Cubs hat. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Now, are you a huge Bill Murray fan? huge i don't know if i'm huge but i like him a lot yeah because i know i know so with the new ghostbusters because i don't know but you're expecting to see all of the original cast members and ghostbusters after life right yes i mean i know the answer to who's in the movie okay because i don't because it's not like a secret i've i've actually been able to keep that secret except for the person who answers the phone i mean that's that's pretty obvious i feel well, we know we know Ray's in there because of that, and then we know mm-hmm. that this is Spangler's granddaughter and daughter. Right. So, we're in the universe where these people exist, unlike the 2016 one. Proper a proper third film. Yeah, which as that film gets closer, are you getting 
more and more excited. Yeah, I cannot wait, baby. And it's coming <laughs> around Thanksgiving time, which is just is like you have some days off. Let's go. Let's go see the new Ghostbusters. That sounds like an awesome time. Well, I have a feeling because the Eternals will stink it up. That film <sighs> will help me in the fall fantasy draft. Do we need to update that at this very moment? I think we need an update. Because I'm looking, what's insane, all four of my movies are already in theaters making money. You still have two movies left, and they're two, I would say, big movies. Mm -hmm. So to recap, and again, if you've never listened, we each picked four films that came out or are coming out this fall. And uh, whoever has the most money, those movies rack up, and we'll combine them. And uh, who makes the most money, you or I, wins Ten thousand dollars. Um, I picked Venom, Let There Be Carnage, No Time to Die, The Adams Family Two, and Dune. Uh, Venom, one hundred eighty-two million. No Time to Die, one twenty. The Adams Family Two, a respectable forty-eight million, which I would not have guessed in, yeah. in a million years. And then Dune this past weekend. I would say, for myself, a surprising forty-one million dollar opening. I did not think that would do well. It's actually done quite well overseas as well. So I have a combined $391 million in counting. You've had two movies released, Halloween Kills, which has made so far $73 million. And then The Last Duel, which couldn't have worked out any better than for me, I should say. It's only made $8 million. <laughs> It's so terrible. $8 million. <sighs> so you have a combined total of $81 million with two movies left. Eternals, which comes out November 5th, which we just talked about, could do well, could not do well in its second weekend. Who knows? I don't know what I don't know what you're gonna get with that anymore. And then Ghostbusters Afterlife, which when we drafted, that was what I wanted the most because I think that movie's gonna make a freaking killing. Yeah. That comes out November 19th. So again, you have two movies left. You're down $310 million. I do you think you have a shot? Because <laughs> Mine, mine are going to continue to make just a bit more money. I'm going to cross $400 million pretty soon. Um, I'm gonna, I think Eternals will be a little softer than what I initially thought when we drafted and I was freaking out. Uh, and then Ghostbusters, I, I do think that will do really, really well. I don't know if that's going to be enough to carry you for a victory, though. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I think Ghostbusters will be, my prediction is, will be the largest opening we've seen all year. That's my guess. Like, do you I, think that makes you do you think that makes over 150, obviously, in the US? Oh yeah. I I honestly I really think that will be the biggest moneymaker of the year to date. I oh I gosh. honestly yeah, I'm I'm telling you, what's the what is the largest money uh moneymaker of the year so far for movies? Is it Shang-Chi? And it's like at... Um, yeah, so far, yeah, yeah. I would say that's it because that's currently made here in the U.S. 221. Yeah, it's Venom has it. had, like I think, the biggest opening. It opened with 90, but it's only made 183. Yeah, and so right now, of because I just pulled it up, Shang-Chi, 221 mil in the U.S., for, and this is just for the year, two, uh, 2021. Uh, Shang-Chi is first. Black Widow second at 183. Mm. And get this, Venom is getting ready to topple them because it's at 
let me back up here. Black Widow, 183.65. Venom, let there be carnage, 183.46. It just okay. needs... And it'll do that this weekend. Uh, yeah, it just needs $190,000 to topple that. And that's all. Man, can Ghostbusters get 221? I Let's yes. say, just to be safe, that movie's going to make over 200, so you're down 110. Um, Eternals... And Eternals will make over a hundred thousand dollars. It'll probably make I don't know. Let's let's go soft on that. And say it wraps up around one thirty-five. So you've I already overtaken. <laughs> you've I mean total. I feel like it can do that because it's yeah. a Marvel movie. True. Now Dune Dune needs to keep making some money. I don't know. I feel like this is actually going to be very very close. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And I especially think that with uh, Dune because I was now. I did not want it to tank because I want there to be more Dune movies. Um, and the thing is with this, though, I am just, I, I don't know. I, I thought Eternals, before we started hearing uh, the reviews come in, I thought it's going to be the biggest of the year. But now I really no. think, I really think now Ghostbusters I really think it's got a shot at making something nuts like a quarter billion to close to 300. That's I mean, my I guess. told you it was going to be huge. I told you it was going to be huge. I and guess I, the only thing is if when if this wraps up and I do end up winning, the only reason I win is because you had last pick and got the last duel. So me not getting... <laughs> Me not getting the first pick and going after Ghostbusters was Jack's was actually maybe the best thing. Well, it's it's interesting because had you picked that, I I think the next one I would have gone with Bond, or actually no, I would have gone with Venom. Yeah. I would have I probably would have gone with Venom because I knew that would have made a lot because that was your first pick then. So so if I would have done Ghostbusters, you do Venom. I would have mm -hmm. done immediately No Time. Would you? What would you have done next? Eternal, Eternals. I, I, yeah, I would have had to have done Eternals, and then I would have gone after Halloween Kills, which is another one I wanted, which has made a pretty a decent, decent amount. Yeah. Which brings us, you're you're getting Dune, which is another pretty decent one so far, and then I would have been stuck with the last duel. I probably would have somehow evened out the last duel. These dumbasses are releasing that in mid October, which I still don't understand whatsoever. Like. To just do that in early December, like the second week of December. There's nothing coming out. Well, and and that stinks because now you haven't seen well, when it Spider-Man coming out. Ooh, that's just well because may, maybe that's why. But that's like right before Christmas, right? Yeah. Now I want to say it's December seventeenth or so, but that wow. I think will end Man, up making movie. the most amount year round. Um, yeah, I would agree. I think that makes more than Ghostbusters. Unless that, they crap the bed. They could crap nah, the bed. They could, but I, I don't believe that they did. Yeah, it, it is hard for me to think so as well, but I bet that will be es the biggest moneymaker. Especially if it's confirmed that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are in the movie. We already know oh, Doc yeah. Ock is and all that, all the nostalgia people have for those older ones, especially the Maguire, the Maguire ones. Like that's going to make it killing. Well, and that's where I think Ghostbusters Afterlife will do the same. You will have your audiences who have been longing to see a proper Ghostbusters sequel where 
those who have wanted to see some of these characters and they get them, but they're not in like the goofy cameo type uh, appearances from the 2016 Ghostbusters with the um, the female cast. But then you get a new group coming in who want to see your Finn Wolfhards from, you know, your Stranger Things crowd. And you're, you're roping in a few other younger people as well. And you're getting that middle-aged, which may not quite be going for your nostalgia, but they're going because they love Paul Rudd and they like to see Ant-Man and things. And so I think you're getting a good mix across the board and it's a good family film. Like you said, it's coming out around uh, Thanksgiving. We're going to have more people at home, visiting family members and at home. So I think that's what will end up spelling success for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um and I need it desperately based on these numbers. <laughs> you do. And I think I think it actually is going to be very close. Now, we talked about the surprising opening for Dune. 41 million here in the U.S. It's made 182,000. God, I keep saying thousand. 182 million dollars internationally. 223 worldwide. Just a couple of days ago, we finally got confirmation that Dune Part 2 is happening um, what did you think of Dune? Did you like the Dunes? I got to say, I love this movie. And this is easily in my top five favorite movies of the year. I thought you were going to say all time. And I was going to like <laughs> jump through time zones and like beat you up. <laughs> this, I, I really, really, really dug this movie. It was long, but it didn't, honestly, it did not feel did, long. Did not feel like it. I, I was going to say the same thing. It's like two and a half hours long. And it's a movie where I feel like not a lot happens. It's a lot of world building. Sure. But it's done so well. And it just, that runtime, uh, it went super quick. Did you go, you saw this in theaters, right? I did. I was going to update you on this because I told you I was traveling and I ended up going and visiting Tulsa and got to see this on my favorite IMAX screen um, I was able to squeeze it in and, and fit it in, and it was so good. Mm. And maybe that's why I liked it so much is the sound in this, too, is just next level. It's so freaking good. So the IMAX and the sound, it was just – it was it added to the experience, and it, it made me want to rewatch this movie, not just at home, but on a theater screen. And that's how I ended up watching it. Now, did you see this at home? No, I actually went to the movies to see it. I, I saw it in a regular theater, though, so I'm sure, according to director Danny Villeneuve, I didn't see it the proper way, and I apologize for that. <laughs> but it was just one of those stupid screens. Um, but it looked it looked fantastic, and yeah, the, the audio and the music were so well done. Um, this was, a, and you kind of bring this up, wanting to see this again, I... I was like walking out of this going, I, I want to go home and immediately start this again. Yeah. There's like something that I fully can't articulate, but I just loved it. I loved it. And I have, I should say, I have no knowledge of the book. I own the book. I've never read it. So I have no idea if this is yeah, like an accurate version of the 1965 mm -hmm. novel or not. It doesn't really matter to me. I think, as a as a part one, it works really well. I do find it 
kind of hilarious that WB would make this movie as a part one <laughs> without green lighting the second film. Because if this is a standalone movie, a part one, and it, it bombs hard, and they're like, no, we're not going to do it. Does that hurt this movie as a whole? Because I think it has to. You'd be like, yeah. oh, this is it in a lot of ways. And it, I'm this, I don't want this to sound like a knock, but it feels like a very extended and pricey pilot yeah. where and Denny has said this part one is I have to lay the, the the foundation of this universe and these characters and then with part two I'm going to have more fun it's going to be a more action driven movie but if this was if we never got part two this would be a I think a colossal disaster oh, it, would, yeah. it would be hard to praise this as a great film because we there's no conclusion because it it definitely just feels like a part of a massive story. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree because they're just, oh, wow. I And I kept having faith that we would get the announcement, that it would come, WB's going to feel bad about everything they did, and like, all right, we're, we're going to give it to you. We're just, I think they've known, they've just been sitting on mm -hmm. this. And I well, think- we it kind of came out that part of the reason- that this was able to come to streaming to begin with was WB made a deal with Denny and was like, if you allow this to happen, and I'm sure he's getting some money too. Oh yeah. A little, a little more, but it was, let us do it this way. And we will, we'll green light the second film. Like we, you have our word. So I think that's kind of tempered some of his anger that he initially had <laughs> because he's, He's like Nolan, man. He he was going off when this was <laughs> yeah. originally announced that everything was going to be a day-and-date theatrical and streaming. And as it moved closer, then they bumped, HBO Max bumped this up a few extra hours uh, to release earlier, uh, which I thought would end up putting like the final nail in the coffin for this, but it didn't. It actually... Uh, and I would say the entire theater, I don't know about you, but the entire theater was not sold out, but close. Was that the I same went, for you? Um, when did I, I think I went on Saturday night and it was not busy by any mm. stretch. Now, I would also argue in this movie, it looks good, it sounds good, but also the performances, it's top notch. I mean, Timothy mm -hmm. Chalamet just slays. He's Rebecca. So I can't, it's hard for me to say Rebecca Ferguson is better in this than Rose the Hat in Doctor Sleep because I, I. But then again, like I, I'm devoted to seeing like her in everything. I want. I'm a Rebecca Ferguson fan. Anything she's in, I'm devoted, no matter what. Um, what about Men in Black International? Oh, gross! I forgot about what that. a terrible. <laughs> What a terrible and stupid movie. She's also oh. in The Snowman, which is atrocious, but also kind of funny because the main character's name is uh, Detective Harry Hole. <laughs> <laughs> which is just like, what were you on when you wrote that? Um, yeah, she might be the best thing about this movie. Actually, and he's not in it a lot, but Jason Momoa. Oh, man. That's gracious. He's freaking awesome in this. He may... I mean, it's so hard to beat Rebecca Ferguson in this, in my opinion, but... Oh, Momoa is just, I, I think this is his best. I really do. It's good. And I, again, I have no idea where this story goes. So let's go ahead and smash the spoiler alert sound effects. Hit the sirens. 
Uh, I does he come back? I feel like that character and and having Momoa in this, like, there's going to be a way that they bring him back, right? I think so. I think the visions that we have with Paul Atreides, which is Timothy Chalamet's character, I think that we will end up seeing uh, Momoa. May maybe there is some type of. Mm, like I'm not going to say cloning, but the Fremen have done something to carry that character over. I think he is not necessarily still alive, but a version of that character is still alive. Fantastic name, Duncan Idaho. Oh yeah. And then it, I guess I, I guess the other thing that I'm like I'm so curious about. Uh, we have Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin. I don't know what happens to him. Is he dead? Yeah. Oscar Isaac, rest in peace. Jason Momoa <laughs> dead. It's like. These huge characters and names are just out. Yeah. I'm like, what What happens? Are they literally done or are they not done? I, w- I want more Stellan Skarsgård because the Baron, ah, he, he freaked me out. But in yeah. like this ultra-fascinating way where I could not stop staring at his body <laughs> and whatever they were doing to him in that, like, that black ooze, I was like, oh my gosh, this is creepy. Yeah, That whole thing freaked me out, but I love it. I need more of it. Well, you know, the the interesting thing about that, apparently Skarsgård, he said, I'm in to get into this gunk and my prosthetics and all of that. And they were worried that he would drown himself. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Apparently, he was, like, requesting more nude scenes or something. For like real? He wanted, like, he was, I guess, basically naked under all that, and he just loved it. <laughs> I believe it. I... The other scene was with little Oscar Isaac, and he's draped over that chair naked. Mm, man, poor Oscar Isaac. Great, fantastic beard, though. Yeah. He needs, honestly, he needs a beard almost 24-7 because yeah. he looks so much better with the beard. Yeah, he man, he would just so... All of these actors and actresses are just so amazing in this movie. And, um, yeah, I, I'm curious to see... I bet they bring back Duncan, though. They've got to bring back yeah, Duncan. too. And then we obviously need more Zendaya. Yeah. Uh, who apparently, you know, Denny has said she is the main character in the second movie. Uh, Javier was Ooh, only yeah. in this for like three minutes, but he's awesome. You like I mean, when he spits on the desk? <laughs> yeah. I just started doing that everywhere I go. I just spit. <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's, a, it's actually a good thing. Yeah, that was so good. I'll, yeah, just across the board... And that's that's another thing why I love this. But yeah, I was in in this movie just a hundred percent of the way, and um, yeah, I just I, I I've never seen. Now here's the other interesting thing to know: I've never watched the David Lynch film. Mm-hmm. I've not seen the sci-fi series or Hallmark series, whichever of those. That sounds awful. It does, and and the graphics look terrible in it, <laughs> and. <laughs> then uh, the book. I never read yeah. the book, but I while researching leading up to this film, I did some research on uh, Frank Herbert and the Dune series, and I so like now I'm I'm so intrigued by this. I've never been intrigued until now, and I mm-hmm. want I want more. And I love the uh, Benny Gesserit's uh, and and Rebecca Ferguson's character, which he's a sister to, and I. I'm fascinated now that apparently there's going to be an HBO Max series that dives into that. Oh my gosh. Do we need to do series of everything? Apparently. That's like the downfall of HBO Max because they're doing that with DC 
Yeah. Like which, any, which, any movie has its own spinoff. I'm just like, just stop. Which, by the way, what do you think about the Peacemaker trailer? I don't. It looks like the same juvenile garbage that we got, in this <laughs> which I like to a degree. And then I'm like, okay, it's not that funny. Yeah. I don't know. It it doesn't look that good. I'm going to watch opinion. it. I'm sure it's okay. But I feel like in a lot of ways, James Gunn is a one-trick pony. I don't know. Don't, yeah. I mean, don't don't kill me for saying that. Uh, so Hans oh. Zimmer's score for this. Ooh. One, one cool note. I guess when Nolan was getting ready for Tenet, he approached Zimmer and asked him, you know, about doing the music. And Zimmer ended up choosing Dune because he loves the book. He's already cranked out, he says, 90 minutes of music for <laughs> Dune Part 2 that he's given to Denny to help inspire him as he writes the screenplay. Interesting. Freaking Zimmer released, there's been three Dune albums so far because he has so much music. There's one for like this book. There's one for the film and then like extra music. He's just like obsessed with this universe. <laughs> <laughs> I really honestly, like, I, I have n- really no interest in this prior to seeing this movie. And then I was like, this is awesome. I, I, I have to read the book. So I've kind of avoided articles that are like oh the differences between the book and the 2021 film i just want to read it i want to like dive into this world are you starting that as your next book i have some stephen king i need to finish and um maybe i would maybe that that might be a good way to start 2022 yeah get ready for 2023 part two gotta get ready for 2023 yeah i I just can't get enough of this. And I did not expect to say that. I thought, all right, I'll like it. But now I just, I'll need to create my list. This definitely is at the top of it for 2021 for sure. Duncan, Idaho. Man. Honestly, legit might be Momoa's best role. And would you be okay if they made a spinoff series with him? (laughs) We don't need spinoffs of everything. No. (laughs) We need to stop. We, we're going to like oversaturate everything and then it's just not going to be as cool, right? Or we're yeah. just, we're going to be like, okay, we don't, not every character in the Batman needs their own freaking spinoff. I think we need just a full mini series, six episode arc of just Oscar Isaac naked in that chair. Because we're going to get to a point where every Eternals character has their own spinoff on Disney Plus. <laughs> and I'm just going to want to blow my brains out. And, and then Kevin Feige's like, Trust me, this is the best series we've ever made. And then the next Eternals character comes up. Trust me, this is the best. <laughs> you, you've never seen a Disney Plus show like this. It's all shot on natural, like real locations. It's never been done before on film. I can't wait for the time that he says, all right, so this was all shot on green screen, not a single real location. <laughs> we didn't use a single <laughs> human being on this. They're all CGI. Yeah. <laughs> well... What a, he's a strange man. I, I am, like I said, intrigued by the Eternals sinking rating on the almighty Rotten Tomatoes. Which, by the way, I just tried to refresh to get a gauge and it says like website maintenance underway. Oh. I think people are crashing it to find out how bad Eternals is doing. Or they're trying to review bomb this movie. Woo, I can't do that yet. It's not out yet. I would that that'll be fun to see people's comments because if you go to Reddit, you're going to see a lot of insane commentary <laughs> already. So who knows? But uh, yeah. Uh, so next week, we're going to talk November picks. 
Ooh. And then I would say we we might be quite possibly going to talk about Army of Thieves. Loves. Netflix. It's Netflix, though. I mean, there's always, you got to kind of mention that with a grimace on your face, but. True, but man, this looks good. And we also get uh, the actress in this who played, uh, oh, what was it? Fast and, and Furious mm. series. Yeah. Um, she's a, an absolute delight. And she, she was also in Game of Thrones. But yeah, anyways. Um, we'll get into that. I mean, N- Natalie Emmanuel. Pants. Yeah. Keep it in your pants. I can't. I can't wait. I'm, you know Sick what? pervert. I know that uh, Zack Snyder is all about Dieter or the, the German actor comedian God, who he's plays a, He's Dieter. obsessed with that dude. He is. Is he I a mean, comedian? Yeah. He was, well... The way that Snyder described him is like the German version of Adam Sandler. <laughs> what? No joke. I read that and before Like in Army terms of, of Den- popularity or what? I don't know. I don't know if it's just like the movies that he makes or what. I mean, but Speaking of the Sandman, you know, it's Halloween obviously in a couple days. I've been like dying to watch Hubie Halloween again. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm going to watch that before Sunday. Truthfully, I've also been thinking about the same. Well, we might we need to do it because I remember really having a good time with that last. Uh, you came out last year, I think, mm-hmm. two years ago. Anyway, I had a lot of fun with it. I'm like, I wonder if I'm going to have fun with it again. Yeah, yeah, that was 2020. Oh man, feels like seven years ago. Lost feels like about two years ago. Hubie Halloween feels about a decade ago. Hubie, Hubie. All right, that's it. <laughs> All right, film fans. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of Quality Check Podcast. As always, it's been a pleasure. But until next time, keep watching.